Hi, this is Bob Lark, and you're listening to Back to the Bins. <laughs> and now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. Stop it! Disenfranchised by the modern comics industry, producer Paul Spitaro, Dr. Bill Robinson, and Scott H. Gardner now ply the time stream in a never-ending quest to rediscover and reconnect with that unique brand of fun and excitement that can only truly be found in good old-fashioned, randomly selected comic book back issues. Journey with them now. Back. Back. To the bins. I got nowhere else to go. I got nowhere else to go. I got nothing else. Stop. Why? No. Why? So while Bill is playing with himself, I mean his computer, we can talk about things that we're going to discuss in the show. I made a recent big purchase. Uh oh, three digits, hundred dollars. What'd you spend? What'd you buy? What'd you What'd you spend it on? Daredevil number seven. Mm. Ooh, let me let me uh, let me look that up real quick. I want to see what that looks like. Uh, no, not that one. Here we go. Marvel Daredevil number seven. Oh, the Namor. Mm-hmm. Cool, cool, cool. Let's see. Ooh, that's a Wally Wood. Hundred beans. Is that uh is that a good fair price on that one? I, I keep seeing it going for way higher. And I I clicked I clicked on that I was interested in it, but I didn't purchase it. It was going for one twenty five on the eBay site, which is still a good buy for it, honestly. And the guy came back and made me an offer of one seventeen and I said, Would you do a hundred? So that leaves me now because in my quest to obtain all of the daredevil issues from one to 200 which is all i'm looking to get leaves me with only four remaining on my want list but they will be four difficult ones to get but i think seven is probably the second most difficult after number one Mm. it's similar to say avengers number four in its own way Knowing not a goddamn thing about the situation, I would just kind of nod and go, yeah, that sounds logical, but I, I don't, yeah, I don't know. Well, isn't there, no, the Spider-Man one's much later, right? Spider-Man is issue 16. That's the, that's the, right oh, now okay. I still need one, two, four, and 16. Oh, okay. One, two, four, and six. That's not that's not bad. So I have three, five, and six, and eight and nine in the single digit category. Man, he was out of the yellow outfit a lot faster than I realized. Actually six, the one six you, issues. Six yeah. issues in the yellow costume. Yeah, the one you just got's the first red one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's a big one. It's you know, as far as Daredevil goes, it's a big one. Is like that- I said, I, I think the only one that's as hard, that's more difficult to get is number one, which I'm seeing going for, you know, a thousand dollars, two thousand dollars. I'm not spending that kind of money. Is 16, is that the first Romita on Spider-Man? Correct. So yeah. it also goes, it goes for more than I want, but I can probably, yeah. if I keep searching for bargains, I can probably get that in the $50 range. 
Well, I'll tell you, now that I uh, I finally popped my cherry for the three digits on, uh, you know, spent for a comic book, um, it doesn't seem as painful now. And I'm really having to watch myself for, to not keep <laughs> pulling that particular trigger because um, I actually don't have much left on my want list, relatively speaking. And there's there's not a lot of really expensive books. So I, I sat the other day and was kind of figuring it out. And I figured for a couple of thousand dollars, I could probably have everything I really, truly care to have. And then everything else, I'll just continue to pick up out of the cheap bins, you know, here and here and there. But I just don't know if I, if it's smart to be spending that kind of money right now with the way the thing, you know, with things the way they are and all that sh- sort of shit. But I yeah, might, I, you know, from time to time, kind of spoil myself like I, I did with that one. I think I've eliminated a great deal of my dollar bin want list. So yeah. the ones that are left, you know, I mean, they're not all hundred dollar books. Don't get me wrong. But there's I think there's a lot on my list that are like twenty dollar books, uh, you know, that I'm going to have to buy a little bit more sparingly. I can't go and buy 50 20 books i could buy 51 books though right. uh, you know so it's 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 a different process and it's a different mindset that i got to get myself into i mean i still definitely have books in the one dollar range that are on my list but there's just not as many of them because i've done a fair number of visits to the comic store in the last year or so uh and filled in a lot of my one dollar books captain america my uh my desired run is from issue 100, which is the first issue, up until 350. And I only have one book left to acquire, and it should be in the dollar bins. It's issue 330. Hmm. So that's that's a series run that I'm almost done with now. Right. So, you know, there's, there's a lot. The, the, the more expensive issues, but then, you know, some of them, it, it just shows me. And it reinforces that you got to be diligent looking for bargains because one of the ones that was on my list of needing was issue 137, which is a Spider-Man guest appearance. And then I keep seeing it for 50, 60, 70 dollars, which is insane as far as I'm concerned. Right. And then I, you know, and I just kept looking and waiting and waiting and I found it for 10 bucks. There you go. You know, you, you got to be. You got to be persistent, and you got to you got to resist the urge to just splurge on stuff that you shouldn't right. splurge on. Yeah, it. I, I mean, that's been my philosophy, and I'm sure I've espoused that at, at least once at some point in the history of this show, or some some two true freaks thing. And I, you know, but sometimes I I need reminding myself. But it just it does get frustrating. No, I don't care how patient you are when you've literally waited years and you just keep getting cheated or you just can't find it. It, it the the temptation to just go ah f- it and spend the money just grows and grows and grows. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. With, with the, certain things anyway. There's there's certain there's certain other things that I'm like I don't give a f- how expensive this book is. I'm not spending more than, you know, X. And I've been that way with like all the, all the Batman stuff that I want. I'm like, f- it. if I can't find it for like six bucks, maybe eight or 10, depending on exactly what it is, then I just don't need it that bad, you know? But there's, there's a couple, like there's just ones that continue to gall me. Like I really want, um, Batman Adventures number 12 just so that I have every DCAU book you know and I used to have it and I sold the damn thing you know and if I could just find it for what I 
sold it for, I, I it'd be a wash and I'd be perfectly happy. But I can't even do that. You, you, you can't even touch that book anymore. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's it, it, it's it's I, I hate the ones that really gall me, you know, the ones that's like, damn, you know, one issue, you know, or uh, like uh, like Tomb of Dracula number 10. But it's like there's, you know, that to me is like a 10, maybe 20 tops book. That's it. I'm I'm not going higher than that. And that book's like a two thousand dollar book. And I'm like, what a- spending that kind of money on this book? But I see it going for that all the time. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> it's just not that good. <laughs> I, I can't argue with you on that. It's nuts. But it's uh, you know, there's certain books that I, I you know I think and I think it's it's just saying the same thing that you just said in different words. But <laughs> I, you know, there's certain books that it's like I don't care how expensive it gets, I'm not spending the going rate for it. Yep. Uh, and and there's. I, I think the example I, I I have of recent vintage is the uh, what you call it, Captain Marvel. When I was trying to f- close out my Captain Marvel series issue number twenty-seven was going for stupid money, and that's because it's the first issue of with first appearance of Eros. And I'm like, right. seriously? Right. Yeah, who, I remember, yeah who, I remember you telling me about that. Who yeah. really cares about Eros? I mean, it's just <laughs> stupid. You know, cause, that's, cause he because had, that's because he's got Harry Styles portraying him now. Oh, that's what I was going to say. Because Harry Styles well, played him for, that guy's for name 30 yesterday. seconds. Thank you. Yeah. You know, but then again, I, I resisted buying it for $50, which is what I was seeing it for re- frequently. Uh, and I ended up finding it for, I think, 12 And it was like, even 12 is too much to pay for that, frankly. But, you know, I was willing to 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 do that. Part of my problem, too, is like, you know, this isn't my only hobby that's that's, you know, can be very expensive. You know, I I try to keep it limited to this, but, you know, I I do have other interests. So, you know, every once in a while, you know, a a new like hardcover, uh, you know, big, you know, big ass tome of something Disney related comes out. And there's just one that just came out that's on uh, Amazon for like 50, 60 bucks. And then, uh, you know, I've really been on a kick with with um, with movies lately, you know, f- collecting, you know, the physical movies. And I've got some that I'm, I'm trying to, you know, trying to put a hand to. And, you know, I don't I tend not to spend a lot for them, but there's a couple I'm chasing that I'm if I really, really want them, I'm probably going to have to spend a little bit of money, you know, so. Because you, uh, uh, you mentioned, you know, the Harry Styles thing, and it got me thinking about uh, Eternals, because I had just rewatched the Eternals the other day. I really, really dig that movie. I know I'm, like, in the extreme minority, but that's yeah, all right. I can't, I can't go with you on that one. I, I, I want... I, I, I thought it was boring, honestly. I, I can see that. That's the funny thing, though, is that I, you know, I'm not... With that particular criticism, I can't be like, oh, f*** you, man, you just, you know, that sort of thing. It's like, I, I kind of see that. But I don't know. I, I like that it's very different from every other Marvel movie. I know that's what most people probably hated about it, but I liked that it was a big old uh, diversion from what they had, you know, had been doing before. And I don't know. It's one of those. The more I watch it, the more I pick things up and, and kind of like the, the, the vibe that they were going for and all that. But uh, I really want that movie in 3d but unfortunately it was one of those where i think it was like japan i think was like the only place they put it out 
So it's one of those, you know, you got to buy it as an import and then it's stupid ass expensive and all that. But I, I see somebody who actually listed one on eBay the other day that's at least starting out relatively affordable. So I'm keeping an eye on it. We'll see. But because after I forget Doctor Strange, I think it was they suddenly abandoned the U.S. market for 3D movies. You know, Disney did, I mean. And so it's just hard as hell to find anything that Disney did 3D after that movie at a reasonable price. And it's frustrating because I'm still several movies away from having um, a complete collection or at least the the movies that I care to have of the Marvel. Because I wanted every one of them through infinity war or you know the uh end game and then after that you know i'm, I'm kind of picking and choosing because some of those movies i don't even care not you know 3d aside i don't even care to have a physical copy of it at all like black widow if i never see that movie again i'm i'm perfectly happy because i thought it was boring you know the couple of like shang chi i never want to have to sit through that piece of shit again either so <laughs> speaking of comic book speculation uh-huh Paul, how many copies of Dazzler number one you still got? <laughs> I, I saw know, that. Probably. I don't even know anymore. Well, I, I, I wouldn't gave most of them away. Well, what, is, what are they going for now? Well, so it's all spec. Okay, so you're aware of Taylor Swift putting Travis Kelsey on the map. Yeah. I know Scott knows none of what we speak because it's sports related talk. No, but he's a big Swifty. Well, I, I, oh. I know of her, I, you know, but yeah, that's about it. So it is. So at the latest, <laughs> that's what they're called. The the Taylor Swift fans. I, I, I've been I, told that I'm not too terribly Swifty, but, you know. Well, shake it off, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> that's a Taylor Swift song. You know that what? I, I wouldn't have even known that. Shake no, it I, off. I, yeah. I, I caught it. That was funny. Okay. Yeah, she's, so so anyway, so she, she's uh, gonna play Dazzler now. Yeah, she's she she's rumored to play Dazzler because and also, uh, it might pop up in like the new Deadpool movie because it Monday. You did you watch Monday Night Football with the Jets? I watched Sunday Night Football and, with the Jets. No, they were on Monday. Was it or was it no, Sunday? Oh, maybe it was on Sunday. Yeah. So uh, what? Uh, Hugh Jackman and um, uh, what's his name? Ryan Reynolds were there. Oh yeah, I did not see that. Yeah. So I now they're that. like, oh my God, Dazzler! She's gonna be Dazzler. It's rumored she play Dazzler. I'm getting very excited about that movie because there are very strong, persistent, and credible rumors that it's basically going to be doing a, um, like, Spider-Man No Way Home Flash thing where it's pulling in a lot of former Marvel superhero movie characters. And, I mean, they're they're rumored to be bringing in, um, what's her name, um... Uh, Electra, you know, Jennifer Garner and uh, uh, fuck, I can't think of her. The the Sue Storm from the Fantastic Four movies, uh, Alba, Jessica Alba, Alba um, the dude that played Mr. Fantastic. Um, shit, who else did I hear? I heard I've heard several of them, but they're all very credible because the rumor comes out and people are like, yeah, that's not going to happen. And then they post something about, you know, some interview or something. And, and so it, it's it's sounds like it's shaping up that way. 
I just what my only fear though is that I think that would be really cool so long as they don't do some stupid lame joke where they pull them all together and get you all excited because they're all back together again and then they waste them all like they did with the team he put together in the second movie type of thing that that would piss me off because I really want to see some of those characters again but I don't want them to just come back just to die in some you know comedic fashion or something you know what I mean Die, die, all die. Well, I, I seem to remember us covering a dazzle, a dazzler, a Deadpool issue when the first movie came out, uh, you know, as as a score episode, and the issue we covered had like all these uh, bogus villains, and they ended up just get dying in a big, you know, massacre. So I don't know that they're not going to do what you say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I'm not. I thought I saw something about the, you know what Bill's saying, but then I'm not seeing it here. But what I am seeing is um, her first appearance proper. I don't know if either of you guys have this, but uh, oh, it's X Men One Thirty. That's what it yeah, is. Not yeah, Dash One. It's X Men One Thirty. Yeah, because the Sorry. first, her first, or her first issue is, is still saying here the high end is ten bucks. So. But if you could get Taylor Swift to sign a Dazzler number one along <laughs> with the, the guy that was the artist. I can't remember his name off the top of my head. I feel so bad because we the talked Dazzler to Dazzler number guy. one? It's uh, Romita Bob Juster, Larkin. isn't it? No, Bob no, Larkin. You're talking about the cover. Oh, the cover. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah we got a soundbite from him. He's, wait, he's not around anymore, is he? I think he's he still died? alive. No, I don't I think so. Well, Scott kills people all the time. With you know, right, very true. I have to be careful about that sort of thing because then the next thing you know, they drop dead. One because. All right, haven't what? talked for for like I don't know half an hour now. Blah, blah, uh, blah, blah, blah. I, I should say hello, everybody, and welcome to Back to the Bins. I was just I'm Paul Spitaro, and I'm here with Scott Gardner and Bill Robinson. If you haven't figured that out already. Hi. Who I am I? Said anything that we couldn't uh, we couldn't use in a show? So there you go. You got no, no, that's... you got free content. <laughs> As got opposed to all the free, content that they pay for. <laughs> free, free freak content. There you go. So today is a theoretical Thing Hulk matchup episode. <laughs> But the reality is we're in between rounds here because this isn't a round of a fight here. Uh, the the thing and the Hulk really don't fight in these two issues, but they were listed uh, in whatever source that I had gone to initially to pick out, you know, where, where all their combinations were. So we decided, you know, we'll just cover these as a regular episode. So it's kind of like thing Hulk. Yeah, not really. So. That's where we are today. But we've been talking comic collecting and comic speculation and all of that stuff that that just makes us, I guess, probably not want to collect comics. So what else is doing, guys, before we talk about our books? Uh, <laughs> um, hmm. Oh, Scott's favorite character is back. Who that? Oh, Ms. Marvel? Nope. Oh. Um, hmm. In in Star Wars. Give us the oh, Star yes. Wars. <laughs> yeah, I know. I haven't I haven't watched it yet. I 
giant Smurf guy. I I had seen I did watch all of Rebels. I have seen all of Rebels, but I didn't I have I didn't see all of um Clone Wars. So as, as I have not the date was approaching for Ahsoka, I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna sit down and do a, a watch through of a, of uh, Clone Wars. And yeah, I haven't even made it through the first season yet. Um, I gotta be honest. Um, I'm having a tough time. I'm I'm finding it really boring. And so I don't know if my resolve is gonna stick to actually make it through a watch through. But I'm I'm hoping I re I know enough and retain enough for what from what I have seen to know what the hell's going on. And frankly, if I don't, I don't know that I really care all that much. I I I watched maybe some of the first season of Rebels, and I did not watch all of Clone Wars. And uh, I mean, you're not stupid. It's not that hard to pick up. They recap enough. I I, I would don't don't sell him short. He's not stupid. Why why you you know. Why you gonna be like that? I think he's got he's he's got the skills. He can pick it up. The head got skills. Some of it's interesting. Some of it's meh. well. The nice thing is, well, the sad thing is the uh, your favorite Punisher is in it, but he's passed away now. I know. I hear that he's awesome too. It's everybody's saying, oh man, it's such a shame that you know he's not living to you know to to see everybody really you know digging what he did, but. Or, you know, that he's not going to get to come back or whatever. But, yeah, it's like, yeah, I know. It does make me sad because I really liked him. I mean, I liked and I mean, I haven't followed like his career and his whole body of work, but everything I've ever seen him in, I enjoyed the roles he played, you know, as, uh, you know, Volstagg and Thor, although he got a really shitty death in that third movie. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, yeah, he is my favorite Punisher. I freaking love that Punisher movie that he did. So. And yes, I'm aware I'm the only one. Damn it! Don't write and I've never, I've never seen it, so I don't know. I, I have no. Uh, maybe you've next not seen. Time. Nope. You've not seen Punisher Warzone. Nope. I still haven't either. I'm waiting till we go down to Florida so I can watch it in your movie room. Yeah, I was just gonna say we need to we need to get together. We need because I'm telling you, you you will love it because it is in a good way. It is laugh out loud funny because the violent, that's what I like about it is the violence is so ridiculous over the top that I just have fun watching him waste scumbags, which that's the Punisher to me. So everybody that's like hey, fucking stupid movie. I don't know what you were expecting. What, what do you go into a Punisher movie for? Cause it ain't high art and it ain't Shakespeare. So I don't know what the hell you want. Other than him violently killing dirtbags, which is what he does through the whole movie, brutally, violently, and in mass. So I, I get what I came, you know, I get what I put the money down for. You know what I mean? So I, I like it. I really enjoy it. And there's some of those deaths. I just, it cracks me up, man. I just sit there roaring because, uh, yeah, it's, it's way over the top. But it's fun. It's just, you know, I have a good time. So. But, you know, I, you know, I was thinking about this the other day. It's really funny because um, uh, I just listened to uh, Luke Giaconetti's show. Hey, Luke. Hope you're listening. Hi, Luke. Um, I just listened to his episode that he did um, reviewing Godzilla 1998 because this is the 25th anniversary. And he, he just covered it not long ago on his show. Um, I just picked up a copy of that on, uh, on 4K um, Ultra HD Blu-ray. 
and watched it in the movie room. And I mean, I love that movie anyway, but I was just really blown away and knew like how good it sounds. It's just, I mean, it really held up well in the sound. It looks good. I, I just dig that movie a lot, but I got to thinking, it's like, why do I seem to like so many movies that other people just absolutely hate and dog on? And I guess it's just in a lot of ways, you know, I, I approach my comic or my movies the same way I approach my comics. I'm just here to have a good time. And as long as it gives me a good time, it, it generally works for me. You know, I don't I'm, I try not to get, you know, if it's something that that I'm not, you know, terribly invested in or not going to stress about, you know, whether it's you know, faithful to blah, blah, blah. Like, I don't know shit about Godzilla. So I go into that movie and I'm like, I don't get hung up on all the stuff that, you know, all the hard, hardcore fans are hung up on. Cause I don't know anything about it, you know? So I'm not a, I'm not a hardcore Godzilla fan. I'm a, I, I enjoy it conceptually. Like I'm like many things I'm a fan of, but I, I can't say I'm so invested in it that I, uh, that I have a problem with, you know, their interpretation of it. But I, I just, I don't know. I found that movie. It's been a long time since I saw it, so I can't give you specifics. But I, I just, it just didn't do it for me. Yeah, fair enough. But you know, but then, like the, you know, that's that's the the Godzilla movie in whatever it was, 2012, 2013, whenever that one came out. Uh, I wasn't a fan of that, and and then uh, Luke was, and we had a big disagreement, which led to me starting. Is it yours? <laughs> I uh I actually dug that one a lot. Is that that's the one with Brian Cranston, right? Yeah, and and the problem with I had with it was they hardly ever show Godzilla in the movie. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I dig that movie a lot. As a matter of fact, and I this is probably going to get somebody to really really angry at me, but you know, I got to say I I don't see the movies as being terribly dissimilar in a lot of ways. But where the 98 one has the leg up for me is, as you say, at least you get the monster in that one. Whereas a lot of the the 2012 one is great at doing the setup and the mystery and the whole, you know, uh, what, you know, what is it, you know, what's happening and that sort of thing. But then that's the whole movie and you don't really get much of the monster. And then when you do see the monster, I got to be honest he still looks like a silly rubber monster from Japan with a guy inside of it. And it's like, really? You're spending 20 bazillion dollars to make this movie with the latest special effects. And it's this big budget, you know, special effects thing. And he still looks silly. So I don't quite get that. So but that's what pe- that's what people wanted because the number one criticism I hear about the Godzilla 1998. And I don't know how the hell we got on this tangent is that. Oh, they changed him. He's just a big iguana. Well, it's like you really wanted to see the guy in the suit again in 1998. That's that's what yeah, you I, want. I, I, I kind of do. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I wrong. I get a big kick out of uh, the original King Kong versus Godzilla movie, which is probably the worst special effects you could ever imagine. <laughs> <laughs> Very, very obviously two guys in big rubber suits who are fighting each other. Yeah, I mean, I I guess, but I, you know, I don't know. I I still say if that movie had just been, uh, if they had just pulled the trigger and and named that, you know, the remake of Beast from 20,000 Fathoms, I think that movie would have a much bigger um, appreciation and following than than it does today. 
because it's essentially what it is. It ain't so much a Godzilla movie as it's it's the beast from Twenty Thousand Fathoms, essentially, just from you know for modern times. And I don't so. want to be a monster misogynist, but uh, is it yeah. isn't Godzilla in that movie a female? Uh, in '98, yeah, I believe so. Well, it's, eggs. They yeah. say it's a male that's re- reproducing asexually. I guess so. I don't. Yeah, I don't know. Because I'm pretty sure he has nads, or, or there's some <laughs> there's something nad-like in it. You know, when he when he you see him running overhead. I don't know. I didn't try not to look too close. That's what people say about me. <laughs> Godzilla's got nards. <laughs> Well, anyway, I, I so really let's talk some. Let's talk. Our, let's talk our Thing Hulk sort of. Yes. Books. So our Thing Hulk book, sort of books are really fantastic four issues, and even to take it a step further, they're really just crossover issues for the Infinity War. Not the Infinity War we saw in the movies, but the Infinity War, which was actually the follow-up miniseries to the Infinity Gauntlet. Uh, you know, the Infinity Gauntlet was somewhat similar to what we saw in the movies. There's a lot of differences, but it was somewhat similar. Infinity War was the follow up to that where the Magus, who is Warlock's future alter ego, gets a hold of the Infinity Gauntlet and is basically setting up a war. And I guess the only premise you need to know for the sake of these two issues going in to keep you from being totally confused is that one of the things that he does is he creates evil, twisted doppelgangers of uh, the heroes that they end up battling uh, frequently throughout the uh, miniseries. Beyond that, I think we're okay to kind of jump right into things, unless there's something else you think needs to be added to that. I I just had a couple questions for you. So I I wonder what your your feeling was about Infinity War and also – when you mentioned the doppelganger, it suddenly got me to thinking, wasn't there a video game based on that? It was like the War of the Gems or something? Because I remember you could play as different heroes fighting doppelgangers in some Marvel game. Was mm-hmm. Bill, back me up on this. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I think I have seen something to the effect of well, what you're definitely talking about. Definitely wasn't ultimate alliance no no okay. no no this is i'm talking like this was probably like super nes uh something like that um i i, I don't think it was genesis but genesis but ah, <laughs> i stole it from you <laughs> war of the Ge- hang on i'm gonna look this up because now it's if gonna only there was some device we had close <laughs> tell us information uh, yeah, here we go. Marvel superheroes uh, in war in War of the Gems was the name. Of it. I was right. It was Super NES. Uh, 1996 beat 'em up platform game uh, developed by Capcom, Super Nintendo. Oh, like based on the events. I'm sorry. Was it, was it like just two people? Like, oh, Capcom. So it was just fighting. Yeah, oh, it, huh? it was a, si- a side scroller. Yeah. Was it a side uh, scroller or a side fighter? Two people fighting. Side, side, I'm sorry, side fighter. Yeah. It w- well, no, I mean, I mean, I think it was a side, uh, like scroller, like, like, um, say, like, uh, Maximum Carnage or 
Captain America and yeah, the Bionic Avengers. Commando. Oh, sort of. Oh, um, but yeah, it says here based on the events of the Infinity Gauntlet and the Infinity War in the game's plot, Anna Morlock calls up Earth's mighty superheroes to seek out the Infinity Gems before they fall into the wrong hands. Yeah, and but but the doppelganger uh, doppelganger thing is what I remembered about it. Um, and yeah, it, it did have that. Uh, they gave it a 3.5, 3.5 out of 5. I didn't remember it being that good, but yeah. Mm. So, yeah. Anyway. Well, now, just getting back to the Infinity Gauntlet Infinity War miniseries. Uh, you know, as I've mentioned on many occasions on the show, uh, I had gotten out of co- collecting comics in the mid-80s or so. Uh, and then I started, I got pulled back in basically with the Death of Superman uh event and at the time there was a store that was you know kind of about two blocks from where my apartment was which was pretty cool and i went in there and the infinity gauntlet series had already fully come out in fact infinity war may have been already out by then as well in fact yeah september of 92 is the cover date of our first book so yeah that would have been pre predating the uh death of superman event and i I remember buying both of those series, full six-issue series, at that store, uh, you know, as a combination, you know, buy all six at once. And I think it was probably about ten to fifteen dollars each for the uh, for the sets. And I really, really liked Infinity Gauntlet. I did not really get invested in the crossovers. Uh, and I remember I pretty much enjoyed infinity war not as much as infinity gauntlet it was a step down uh but but i definitely enjoyed it because then they followed that up with the infinity crusade uh and and i remember that by that time that that came out i was actively buying and i bought them as they came out and that was a major step down from the other two i uh in my opinion just in brief, I mean, I was still in comics and, and actively collecting. Um, I remember all the hype, although I, I wasn't collecting anything that led up to it. Um, but I remember all the hype for Infinity Gauntlet. I would specifically remember the George Perez poster that I that I now have in my in my you know in my comic room. Um, but I, uh, in short, I, I loved Infinity Gauntlet hated infinity war and i've never read infinity crusade so there you go yeah i I got all those when they were coming out i was in the navy so while i was in the navy i'm sorry so i had to uh so before i went on deployment i i gave them like x amount of dollars saying here here's prepaid like a hundred or two hundred bucks and you know i'll be back in six months please hold my books for yeah. And then like three quarters away through the deployment. Uh, hey, we need more money. <laughs> we need so more Calgon. I had to send them some more cash. So then when I got back, I had two. You remember when you used to get paper bags at the grocery store? Yeah. OK, so I had two. Two full all the way to the top paper grocery bags you know like one filled to the top and then they put another grocery bag over the top of it to seal it and then taped it and then they so i had two of those full of books and you know i'd already prepaid for so i had man i sat there for you know i i got home off the deployment was at my girlfriend's house i'm like i got a lot of books to read (laughs) 
<laughs> Don't bother me. You want to go somewhere? No. I got six months worth, and there was like, I think Infinity Infinity War was in there and a bunch of other stuff from that summer. So I was like, oh, man, I got to go through all this. So, good times. Good times. Good times. James, so, James, so, James. Sorry, I'm doing uh... <laughs> So both of these books are crossover uh, books to the Infinity War. Uh, as I said, and the first one that we're going to cover is Fantastic Four 368, which has a cover date of September of 1992. It is written by Tom DeFalco, penciled by Paul Ryan, inked by Danny Bulanati. I'm not familiar with him. Haven't we, by... haven't we encountered him somewhere before? Oh, yes. Yes, we have. It's that's possible, not, and I think Scott will Scott will let us know where. That's not <laughs> brute force, is it? Or is that possibly? Brute? Possibly. Could be. I don't um, know. I, I remember him best as uh, one of the many inkers on uh, the further adventures of Indiana Jones, but I, I know he had quite the body of work. The the really sad sad thing is that he and Ryan are both uh, both gone now. They're mm. both deceased, which makes me very sad because I I like them both. Okay. Uh, colored by Gina Going, lettered by Jack Morelli, and edited by the Karate Kid himself, Ralph Macchio. The title of the story is Day of the Dark Side. Ooh. And the cover, which has a fairly white background, but it's still a, a street scene. And it's got the human torch, and he's surrounded by X-Men doppelgangers. Uh, we just see the Colossus's arm and leg kind of coming towards him from the foreground. <clears throat> and then from behind him, Cyclops is shooting a uh, <clears throat> an I-beam. Storm and uh, Marvel Girl are running towards him, and the Wolverine doppelganger is l- leaping in the air with his claws outstretched. And the Human Torch is saying, oh boy, as if and, he's on Quantum Leap. Well, that would be at this time frame, because it's 1992 when this came out. Yeah. And the story opens with Sue Storm with looking extremely blonde, including her eyebrows, which I never thought that look really worked. Uh, but she's using a force field to contain a, an explosion that just went off by a large group of heroes and the uh i guess it's the thunderstrike thor uh is is there and he uses his hammer to create a uh a, a what do you call that some sort of a, a vortex uh, a whirlpool very good a vortex or a whirlpool you guys are smart <laughs> or, or or what he calls a wind funnel and what lifts it into the air and that's what you do with your fart you get a wind funnel. <laughs> <laughs> this is, uh, yeah, this is the Eric Masterson Thor before um, Thor returned, and then they split into uh, two distinct entities, one of which being uh, Thunderstrike. And so then the heroes are uh, basically recouping or recounting what's gone on, uh, including Iron Man or the doppelganger Iron Man being restrained by Sasquatch and Colossus and the Hulk being very snarky and nasty towards the thing, uh, which is probably the extent of our battle in this issue. Uh, so anyway, you know, they... 
Well, no, yeah, yeah but no, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so then Thanos appears am- among them and disappears with uh, the Magus and uh, the Iron Man doppelganger. I guess it's the Thanos uh, doppelganger. Uh, they appear and they take away the Iron Man doppelganger and the Reed Richards doppelganger. And then we're left with the heroes again on the uh, rooftop, kind of just figuring out what to do strategy wise. The Hulk is still wising off to the thing uh, and, and uh, actually kind of making nasty comments about Sue Storm. And uh, the thing is saying, zipper at Hulk, I mean, I'm in no mood for your lip. And the two of them start to get into each other's face and they're ready to, to go to blows. One of all people's speedball jumps between them. And I, I would think just one punch and he would get crushed by either of them. But you, you he, think he he'll pay a penance up. for that? Oh, that is so terrible. That's that, that should be so forgotten, that story. <laughs> but we will move on. The torch has basically come to the conclusion that he needs to be more aggressive with the doppelgangers and it's kind of going against his normal strategy to an extent uh and he comes goes off on his own at which point we get a virtual recreation of what's going on on the cover where the x-men doppelgangers along with the human torch doppelganger attack him uh he creates some uh some set you know the the phony torch images to to confuse them but uh the Colossus uh, doppelganger throws a water tower on them to, to put them out. And the torch starts to fly away, uh, saying he's outmatched and outclassed. But they'll be sorry that they ever tangled with the human torch. And then we go back to the plotting session of what our heroes are going to uh, do, which is an interesting group at the time because it, it's kind of a, a little bit of a uh, a slice of what's going on. In, in the Marvel world at this time, because you got Puck standing at the table. You got Hank Pym in his uh, coverall outfit. Uh, we have the Beast. We have Wonder Man. We have Strong Guy. And we have some dude with a black thing on that I'm not sure who he is. Do you guys know who that I is? I think that's supposed to be Talisman of the of Alpha Flight, I think. But I okay. don't know that for sure. And... <coughs> Scarlet Witch comes. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That's that's him. It is okay. Yeah, he'd gotten kind of weird. Oh my God, it's Doctor Druid. Yes, Scarlet Witch comes in with Doctor Druid and Agatha Harkness. Uh, and then he's there's got his onesie on. <laughs> not a total, not a lot of trust going on between them. But Doctor Druid looks very different from the bald. Yeah, Dr. this Druid guy's got a nice hair. Yeah, this 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 guy looks, you know, this guy looks heroic and buff instead of uh, kind of paunchy and bald, which is the Dr. Druid I'm used to. He's been working out and going to the hair club for men. Good for so him. While, while they talk about he's not only uh, does the commercial, but he's a member. Uh, <laughs> so while, while, they, while they're having their strategy session, the thing and the Hulk are playing uh, air hockey or not air hockey. uh kind of what do you what do you what do you call that hockey i don't even know oh well, um it's foosball it's, it's uh, not foosball but it's like it's, football yeah it's like foosball hockey but I, oh there's there's a name for this i can't oh what's it called 
I think we just used to call it like slider hockey or, or what, but yeah, my, my uncles had this when I was growing up and they used to play it all that they have like tournaments and everything, but it's like you're playing hockey, but with slider arms that move the characters, you know, move yeah. the players around. And so, yeah, it's, it's a lot of yeah. fun. It's really cool. I, I, I used to have that as a kid also, but, and, and I, I don't know that it was called slider hockey, but I think that's a good description of it. <laughs> I think I had the, I think I had the Bobby Hull version of it. That sounds familiar. Yeah. You guys ever have those football fields that had the guys on? You turn on, they oh, yeah. would just – it's like oh, yeah. the guy with the balls just going in a circle. <laughs> get get down there. What's wrong with you? Anyway. That's, that's – uh, wasn't that in uh, – what you call it? Mel Brooks' uh, History of the World Part 1? Where the guy, oh, where guys, they, they get all high and say, you guys go this way, you guys go this way. I'm just going to walk in a circle. Circle. <laughs> So we cut back to the Human Torch in his battle with the doppelganger X-Men, and things are getting a little bit uh, heated. heated. (laughs) And he eventually realizes, like, as I said, that he needs to be more aggressive when the Wolverine doppelganger explains to him that he's not really alive so that he can't really die, that if he gets, you know, destroyed, they'll just be replaced with a new one. So... He use it using that as his uh, as his incentive. He just torches uh, the uh, the Wolverine doppelganger, who turns into some sort of like slithering thing and goes away. Be and aggressive. B E aggressive. Sorry. Yeah, and he decides he's going to go after the other people and give them a real hot time. Moving on, we go to uh, Agatha Harkness, and Sue's asking her to come back and work with them and Franklin again, and Franklin gives her a big hug, even though she's got the facha brute. And now, then we, whoa, uh, whoa, whoa, whoa. What? Why is Franklin, like, uh, when he says Miss Harkness, it, it's, it, the way it's drawn, it's like, Miss Harkness. <laughs> like, the way he's saying it, it like, he's... It's not in a normal voice bubble. Like I don't know if this was. He's not a normal little boy. He's a very naughty boy. Like (laughs) I don't remember how she, if she was dead, alive. Maybe he brought her back. I don't. I don't remember. Scott, you've been really sure, haven't you? Well, I'm sorry. What was the question? So why does Franklin say Miss Harkness? But it looks like he's saying it like in a really weird fashion. Yeah, I, I. in this particular instance, I think it's just supposed to be like, you know, child, childish, yeah, excitement, exuberance, you know, he's happy to see her type of thing. But yeah, the that, you know, it looks like lang- it's in a creepy way. Yeah, yeah. The language of, com- I mean, by this point, the language of comics is pretty well set. So that is the wrong type of box for that. Like something you would see Morgan Le Fay or Chiton yes. or somebody, yes. somebody, who, was, somebody who was possessed. The Spectre, yes. yeah, something like that. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I, I missed that entirely because, yeah, you're right. But, yeah, he was going through some weird stuff at this time anyway. I mean, this isn't really necessarily an instance of that. But, yeah, he was having a whole, like, red rum thing going on through this this whole. <laughs> but this, yeah, that shouldn't be a mo- He just should be happy to see her because, you know, she was his, his nanny, essentially. So His yeah. governess, as they would say. Yeah. So he is happy. He gives her a big hug. And she says she's reconsidered. It might be prudent for me to rejoin you. And then we cut back to the torch in his battle. The uh, 
doppelganger Colossus gets him in a uh, reverse bear hug. And then the torch, I guess, kind of goes Nova to just ditch all the, the doppelgangers at once, with the exception of the human torch doppelganger who comes over to him and uh, looks almost like Chameleon Boy on flame, in flames. Yeah. Uh, mm. And then he, he leaves saying, uh, you've already made it much worse than I could have made you. So farewell for now. So he ditches them and then he goes back to the uh, to the to the. For Freedom's Plaza, which, by the way, is that the whole upper level is destroyed because of that bomb at the beginning of the issue. And the heroes are all joined there. And Captain America is saying, uh, we're going right to the source of the mysterious energy emissions that are invading our galaxy. Uh, and at that point, the torch comes back among them uh, and they're all set to go. And Wanda does some sort of a, uh, a a spell, and they all disappear, going to the source of the doppelgangers, and it's to, to be continued next month. And to make this even issue even better, we're going to skip over next month's issue and go right to the one after. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, uh, I thought this was okay. And it seems kind of funny to me, because... It, I, I got to give them some credit because the way this is presented, you would almost feel this is the primary story, not a crossover, which I think is, you know, you got to give them some credit for that, making them at least feel that this is a ne- necessary thing to read. But well, I don't remember, I don't ever remember reading this before, and I don't remember having any difficulty in getting the Infinity War story when I read it. Well, I, I agree with you there because um, I, I think in a lot of ways the two books that we're going to look at are complete and polar opposites. Um, I really like this one because, for one thing, a, as you say, um, I like these type of big event crossovers within a regular title because, for one thing, the, the narrative that was ongoing in the Fantastic Four continues and does have a little bit of forward momentum. And then there's also a taste of whatever the event was, but you don't necessarily have, have to be up on the event and, and you know have read it or remember it in order to follow what is going on here. So everything works in this issue. Um, as far as the two stories that are being married together, you know, the Fantastic Four's ongoing story and, and the Infinity War event. I find that the other issue that we're going to look at, it is completely the opposite story with that. Like, if you don't know what the hell's going on at that particular moment in Infinity War, you're just freaking lost. And uh, and it's really kind of frustrating to me in, in that aspect. But but, you know, judging them one at a time, you know, this particular one. Yeah, I agree with you. I think this one works. And I, I really dig this issue, but uh, we'll get more into specifically why I, I dig it when it's more my turns. <laughs> well, this and I mean, Infinity War and Infinity Crusade was even to me is the beginning of the 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 shitty cash grab for I mean, you might have some gems that tie in OK and, and work. But overall, it's just, you know, how do we get these books to sell? Right. You right. know, so. Well, this this was the beginning of 90s excess and 90s, yeah. you know, all, all the stuff that, that people remember poorly about the 90s. This was kind of that. Excess? <laughs> I thought that was a company that was in uh, Tomorrowland at Disney. Oh, wait. <laughs> 
I don't disagree that this is the beginning of the end, kind of, uh, as far as the the companies having a little integrity in what they're presenting. Uh, you know, the, where, where, where the cash grab became more important in storytelling than storytelling. Yep. And, and, and it is disappointing that, that it got to that. Um, and I think there are, there are creative people who saw that and were able to, uh, to present their story and their vision in a creative way, despite the fact that they had to deal with, you know, whatever the company uh, dictates were. Right. But, and, and, and this one, again, then, you know, I, I do think this presents a story in a way where you don't feel like, okay, it's a crossover. And if I haven't read everything else, I'm not going to have any clue what's going on. It does not feel like that at all. So that's, that's, I give it a lot of credit for that. Um, but, and, and you know what, to some extent, it might even give you the incentive to say, hey, you know what, what's going on on this Infinity War series? Let me pick it up because I want to know even more about this. Right. So, so I do think this is an effective use of the crossover. Um, I'm not a fan of crossover. I got to be careful how I word that. It's not that I'm not a fan of crossovers. I'm not a fair fan of money grab crossovers. And and it's a fine line because, like I said, some creators are able to overcome that money grab feeling uh, and the dictates of the company and present a, a good story despite it being a money grab. And I and I think we see that here. Um, so you know, good for them in this issue. I, I overall, I thought this was a fun read. I thought the art was pretty pretty good. I, I think it's nice and clean. I think this, you know, the story is is well told. I think the use of the panel layout is good. So, you know, I, I enjoyed reading this. I have to say. Now, I do have at least a peripheral memory of the whole Infinity War thing, so I didn't feel totally lost on that. But I don't remember it in fine detail. So, uh, you can kind of take that for what it's worth, as far as my not being lost as I was reading it. Oh, I don't remember how Infinity War ends in the comics. Not at all. I, I want to say that that Adam Warlock wound up trapped inside of one of the gems or something, but I I can't. That's about all I can remember, and I don't even know if I've got the right event. Mm. I, That's I, all I, can I definitely don't have any memory of that, but that doesn't mean it didn't happen. <laughs> I remember I remember him and Gamora and Pip all being somewhere, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But was, but was I, that? I, I I seem to remember that being at the end of the uh, the much earlier crossover between uh, Marvel Two in One Annual and Avengers yeah. Annual. Uh, you know, yeah. when 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 Warlock, you know, it's one of the times where his character, you know, in air quotes, dies. And he ends up inside one of the gems, as do Pip and Gamora, who were both killed by uh, by Thanos in that storyline. Yeah, don't they all go in the soul gem? They do. Didn't the two yeah. Warlock series, there was Warlock in the Infinity Watch, and then there was Adam Warlock Chronicles or something like that? Well, Didn't they Warlock both spin out the Infinity Watch was after was it after Infinity Gauntlet or after Infinity War? Where they it was, after, it was after Every, Infinity Gauntlet and it was still every, ongoing when Infinity War was coming out. 
everybody gets a gem. You get a gem, and you get a gem, and yeah. you get a gem. And, um, like, Drax got a gem, but he swallowed it, I think. And Thanos got a gem because they're like, ha, oh, nobody would ever think I'd do this. Yeah. Well, Thanos was, like, the surprise gem. Like, nobody yes. realized that he had that. Mm-hmm. Warlock, Warlock didn't tell anybody that he gave Thanos a gem. Shh, don't tell anybody. It's a secret. I, uh... You know, in the in the time since you and I did our last uh, thing, Hulk, it had brought me up to to an era that I I was kind of familiar with because um, you know it was right in that time when I, I was actively collecting and reading both titles. Um, but as we were going to move past that, it was going to take me past a point that I'd I'd read in either of the titles. So since the last time we did this. I actually went all the way back to um, the the first issue after Burn left FF, and I'm struggling to remember what issue it was. It was just before issue 300, but I can't remember the exact issue number. So basically FF 300, um, and then went back all the way back to Incredible Hulk 3. It's either 14 or 16, the first John Byrne issue. And I read all the way up through that stuff. So I'm actually right at this point in my read through of both of those titles, because I've been trying to read them kind of concurrently. And so I I really like this era of the FF. Um, I had read most of this before. Um, I never finished the uh, uh, DeFalco um ryan run though because there was a particular storyline that really pissed me off so i just stopped reading it uh, but i've always wanted to go back and, and reread it so it was fun you know filling in all the blanks and all the all the chapters i hadn't read before because there was a big old run right there in the middle between um the burn stuff and uh the start of the defalco run that i was completely unfamiliar with and so it was really neat reading all this. So I'm kind of up to speed on what's going on um, with with both of the characters at this point. So reading it again that way um, made it much more enjoyable and much more fun because I, I, I knew what's what's going on. I know what the, the ongoing narrative was. Um, the issue on, a, on its own is, I mean, it's OK. It's not great, but I, I do like that it, it does move a few things forward because this is where Johnny is he's kind of lost at the moment because he's just lost his wife um, who was revealed to not really be Alicia Masters at all. She was actually a scroll and she Elijah. was Elijah. Yep. And she was seemingly killed. So in this particular time, um, she's believed to be dead. And so Johnny's kind of struggling with with that whole thing. And it's he also had something going on where somebody was manipulating his mind or something. So he's kind of on a dark turn right now. Um, Similarly, um, Sue was also on kind of a dark turn as well because of just stuff that's going on in, in hers and Reed's life. Reed's missing. So she's basically the de facto leader and, and trying to deal with all that. And then Ben had had his ups and downs as as well. Now he's just recently back as being the thing again after um, first he was the the mutated, you know, further mutated thing where he was all like 
extra rocky and kind of dinosaur looking and all that. And then he got cured and then he got uncured and now he's back as the thing again. So he, you know, they've all had their, their ups and downs. And then the Hulk is basically, this is the professor Hulk era. You know, this is where he was, um, you know, he'd, he'd been psychoanalyzed and all of his personalities had merged into basically this version of the Hulk. And now, I think this is either just prior or just post his becoming part of uh, the Pantheon Pantheon. Thank you. I couldn't think of the name of it. Yeah. So that's that's where we are in the in the era of all this. So, yeah, this was pretty cool. But my biggest takeaway on this, the thing that I really like the more the most about this is I really like the human torch and I loved this whole sequence with him. Um, you know, where first he's just kind of soul seeking and all that, but then he actually gets into a fight with the X-Men and, uh, I have always been a big fan of Paul Ryan's art. And one of the big reasons is, is that Ryan himself is a big fan of John Byrne and really models his style after John Byrne, you know, just short of kind of, you know, it's more of an homage, not, you know, not ripping him off or anything, but in this particular story, I really think he's channeling Byrne really, really hard because, you know, this is, you know, Byrne's two biggest Marvel things that he ever did was FF and, and Uncanny X-Men prior to FF. So I think he's just having fun as a Byrne fan doing a Byrne riff on Johnny Storm versus the X-Men. And that's fun. And I can tell he's having fun with it. And it, it's so visually, it's just it's a blast. I really, really like it. I, I think it's really cool. And while this is a crossover issue of a crossover I don't particularly care for, it's well done. It's not annoying. And I don't feel like I have to be invested. Like, I don't feel like I had to pull out my issues of Infinity War and reread them to know what the hell is going on. I don't. You can just kind of you, you're getting it in the broad strokes. And so I enjoyed it on that level. And yeah, I, I thought it was a pretty good issue. I, I dug it. And I, I like seeing all the heroes, although this is very nineties. A lot of people are in transition and there are a number of characters that I'm ashamed to say, I have no idea who the hell some of these people are. And I was pretty well versed on Marvel at this period, but there's a dude standing right next to the Hulk on page 29 that I don't have a clue who that person is. The That's, dude. Uh, the, isn't the that Rick? Richard? Who is it? I think that's Richter. Or uh, he was Avalanche and became Richter or. 29 standing next to that. Or wait, or is that. Oh, yeah. I, you know what? I don't know who that is either. I'm telling you, it was Avalanche or Richter, I think. Yeah. No, yeah, now that you say that, that kind of sort of tickles a memory somewhere. So, yeah, I guess. You can just see Scott's memory like the Pillsbury Toe Boy. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Uh, do we want to grade this or do we just want to move along? Well, we have nothing to do as far as, uh, as far as the thing Hulk battle. Oh yes. I have to remember this. why we're here. Yes. <laughs> so, so there, there is nothing. They just both get off their wise ass comments. I, I I'm going to, I'm going to, for the heck of it, I'm going to just say, I, I give the, the Hulk the edge cause he's more snarky. Whereas the thing is just kind of like, shut up Hulk. Don't make me mad. Well, I mean, the only part where they do, quote unquote, fight is when they play. And I so I looked this up. This is why I was distracted when when Bill was asking his question. I looked this up and I could not find a definitive answer to our question. 
I'm seeing it called foosball hockey. Um, I'm seeing it called stick hockey, um, table hockey. It has all these different names, but whatever the official name of that game is, I could not find it. So it goes by all these different names, apparently. Well, you could combine foosball hockey and call it Focky. <laughs> Focky you. Hey, let's play some Focky. What did you say? <laughs> I'm going to wash your mouth out with soap. Um, well, there was a soccer happen? version of foosball, too, right? So then you got Focky so- – no, never mind. Um, anyway. <laughs> Focky um, <laughs> um, Anyway, uh, so they fight playing uh, foosball hockey, and you've got this thing actually saying, score! So he gets the point for me because he actually scored against the Hulk. Uh, that's weak, but that's all I got. That's fine. Phil, do you have an opinion? <laughs> It's all right. (laughs) It's not the highest paid color man in the industry for nothing. (laughs) So I guess we can rank this issue or rate this issue. And uh, I think the cover is well drawn. I think it is, you know, it gets gets probably a half a letter grade for me just for depicting something that's actually in the issue. and it would get me if you know if I was at the age of buying books and I'm looking in the store, that would have me interested enough to want to pick it up. I'd wonder why Wolverine was so freaky looking. Uh, so I'm gonna say a, a solid B. Like a, you know what? And they, it's gonna get the half a grade for uh, for showing something in the issue, and it's gonna get a B plus. The interior art I think is pretty sharp. Uh, it's it's got the same problem that I have found lately and i think this is more of a taste thing than a uh true critique uh i feel like the coloring is just too bright through the whole thing yes. i'd rather it be a little darker mm. to have just a little bit more of a noir feel to it uh but other than that i really don't have any issues with the artwork in here i think it's pretty solid so i'm going to say a b plus on that as well and the story i followed it easily i found it easy to you know easy to Read, I found it enjoyable to read. So I'm going to say B-plus is all around on this book. I'm going to be real easy and short and simple with this one. I'm going to give it A's all around. I love the cover. I love the interior art. I'm an easy mark for uh, for Paul Ryan and Bol- uh, Danny Bolinati. And uh, now I'm more grading the, the era than the individual issue with this one, I think, because... Um, I only kind of skimmed the story in the broad strokes having recently read it. So I, I didn't dive in super in depth on it, but just by what happens and the fact it moves the narrative forward. And I really, really, really seriously dig this era of the fantastic four. And I'm a, I'm a huge Tom DeFalco fan. So A's all around. I, I, I think this is a solid issue, but more importantly, it's a solid era um, of the FF. Although, uh, you know, it's not without its hiccups, as we'll find out. So. <laughs> what do you think, Bill? Mm, yeah, I remember this cover. I, I, yeah, that that Wolverine always sticks out. I mean, because he's, uh, he's pretty. I don't want to say he's goofy, but he's still menacing, but goofy. I mean, I never really liked all the doppelganger things, which, you know, they just made them all goth emo and put spikes on them. And, ah, oh, <laughs> we're evil doppelgangers. You know. 
whatever. <laughs> Am I right? No, you're right. They they, get old. Right. they were cool when they first popped up, and then they get old and wear out their welcome real fast. And they gave most of them pointed ears. You know, they made them into like evil elves. You know, so uh, but the cover, I will give the cover a B plus. Interior, I mean, Sue Storm's got some really blonde, blonde bushy eyebrows there. But uh, eh, yeah, and and I saw I had to do a double take too because I was thinking, well, that looks a lot like Burn, but I'm like, I know this isn't Burn. Um, uh, yeah, I would give the interior art a B plus, and the, the story, even though it's you know Cash Grab City, but it wasn't too bad. B, so yeah, you know, it's a B, B on the edge of a plus. Well. All right, for our second book this time around. So we're skipping over one issue. We're skipping one issue ahead. We're skipping to Fantastic Four number 370. That's the How will I ever know what happened? <laughs> but just just for what it's worth, the reasoning being uh, when when I looked up That's all right. Go ahead. When I looked up the Thing Hulk battles for a list of them, these are the two issues they listed. Right. That's right. all. That's that's all I was going to say. Although, as as we're going to find out, it, it's like, huh? So uh, this is the November 1992 cover dated issue. It was actually on sale on the stands, according to Mike's Amazing World of Comics, on September 22nd, 1992, for a cost of $1.25. Cover on this I made one of by, uh, I'm sorry? So what am I, made of money? <laughs> uh, $1.25 is the cover price on this one. It has a cover by Paul Ryan. Uh, it's kind of a cool cover. It's, uh, you know, reality is being warped and twisted and the characters are being warped and twisted along with it. So it's kind of weird and freaky looking, but it's also kind of cool and eye catching. Uh, the story is entitled forever evil, uh, written of course by Tom DeFalco and again, art by uh, Paul Ryan and Danny Bolinati. So before we get into this now, um, you're probably wondering, you know, as we mentioned, you know, why are we skipping over the, the issue in between 369? Well, the thing and the Hulk are in that book. But other than a brief exchange of words in which the thing reminds the Hulk that he had already warned him once to watch his smart mouth, they share no other scenes or words. So, you know, but I do feel like it is worth noting, however, that the Hulk gets into it a little bit with a malice infused invisible woman. And she actually knocks him on his ass with her force field power, which I thought was a pretty cool scene. So that that's kind of neat. But it doesn't relate to, um, you know, what we're covering overall. Um, but otherwise, I also thought that 369 is pretty much a wheel spinning issue. It didn't really progress the narrative. And again, you know, there's there's no thing Hulk tussles. So that brings us to this issue. So number uh, 370. <clears throat> so the magus that's how i've always pronounced it i don't know how how it actually is pronounced because you you said what Ma- magus Ma- how, how are you pronouncing it i don't remember you what say I magus i say magus yeah let's i don't call, know what let's pull magus. the whole thing off exactly well i wish they would uh the magus uh an evil purple man bun sporting version of perennial space hippie adam warlock Wields the Infinity Gauntlet. Yes, kids, this is yet another bannered tie-in chapter of Maximum Secret Earth Crisis Contest or whatever the hell this thing was. 
the FF and most of the rest of Earth's premier super people have teleported to wherever this is supposed to be. The Magus' stronghold dimensional plane, I guess. They never really say. And they are knee-deep in evil doppelgangers of themselves. The thing dukes it out with a Hulk doppelganger, which I guess is our fight, uh, while grousing at the human torch that he shouldn't be flash-frying their opponents and accuses Johnny of acting like the Punisher. The torch tells Ben to wake up and smell the 90s, that dark and gritty is all in, man, and that these things aren't really alive anyway, so what does it matter if he, you know, flame broils them just a little bit? Invisible Sue runs around the Citadel looking for her husband and witnesses two Thanoses, Thani, tussling. <laughs> um, Thani, there's a, there's a no, lot of fight. Remember, fight. I I'm seem sorry? to remember that particular fight having an extended version in Warlock and the Infinity Watch. Yes, yes, I believe you are correct on that. Uh, there's a lot of fight, fight, fight on every page. And after witnessing the torch annihilate the evil doppelganger, that is tough to say. And it's worse to have to type it over and over again. Evil doppelganger of his sister. The thing worries that this war has changed them and they'll never be the same again. And I'm thinking drama much. Uh, anyway, Sue watches Thanos defeats Thanos and then continues on her quest where she eventually stumbles upon a stasis prison containing her husband, Reed, and some of the other heroes captured by uh, evil doppelgangers. She pulls a Sarah Connor, uh, Sarah Connor, is it Connor or Connors? I don't know. And tells Connor. him to move it, Reese, move it uh, on, your feet, <laughs> on your feet, soldier, as they attempt to flee. But the Magus appears, and for the next four pages, there is an entire dictionary's worth of words printed that, frankly, I just couldn't be fucked to read. So, you know, I didn't want to read it, I didn't want to interpret it, and I sure as hell didn't want to synopsize it. So sufficient, uh, suffice it to say that it's uh, an Infinity Wars thing, trust me. And, you know, afterwards, our heroes, like all of them in the Marvel Universe, are left clinging to the shattered remains of the planet or whatever that they were just fighting on. They are rescued by Galactus for reasons that will never become apparent, and the Fantastic Four eventually just kind of pop back into reality, standing in the remains of their nuked roof at Four Freedoms Plaza. Reed asks, what the hell happened? And Sue lights right into him about the fact that it was the doings of his doppelganger that he failed to defeat and that he could have killed them all. And ultimately, Reed Richards, you are the weakest link. Goodbye. And she storms <laughs> off. Ben tries to apologize to Johnny, but the torch just flies off in a huff, too. The issue ends on quite the stunning little cliffhanger, though. The revelation that the Human Torch's beloved wife have has returned from the grave. Elijah is back to be. And you're gonna be in trouble. Wait, 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 wait. What? Did we seriously just cover this entire issue just because there was a couple panels of the the thing fighting a Hulk doppelganger? That would be correct. Yes. And frankly. That pisses me off just a little bit. <laughs> that, that is why this isn't really a Thing Hulk episode, even though uh, I'm going to market it as such. <laughs> yeah. I, it, 
it wasn't until I got to the end of this that I suddenly realized, wait a minute. Hey, yeah, <laughs> he was duped. Yeah, we were we were completely duped. Uh, I don't know why this one's on the list. And, I, and frankly, I don't know where the list comes from either. So I, I can't really complain, I guess. I mean, we're just taking it on faith with these things. I'll, but, I'll pull uh, back the curtain a little bit and say I got that list like 10 years ago yes. or 12 years ago or however long ago we first decided we were going to do these crossovers. So I have no memory whatsoever of where I got it. Yeah, I, I don't either. Um, I, I want to say that my list comes from a uh, a, a torrent that uh, that I that, that that somebody gave me that fell in my lap. Yeah, yeah, that's it. But anyway, um, yeah. Other than the fact that the thing and the Hulk are in this issue, and that the thing wails on a doppelganger Hulk, that yeah, it's not really a thing Hulk fight. So sorry about that. Um, worse is that this again to me is the polar opposite of what you know all the accolades I just put onto the prior issue because this is the worst kind of crossover issue. This is the kind of crossover issue I absolutely hate where you just don't know what the hell is going on and it's very dependent on the mother event, you know, the mother title. Uh, to carry you through. And if you're not reading that, then you're just plain lost. And I'm just plain lost. And I can't be bothered to go find out what's going on because I know that I just really hated infinity war. And I, I've never been the biggest Adam Warlock fan. And I absolutely cannot stand this stupid Magus character. I've always hated him. I don't know why they keep bringing him back. Somebody out there loves him and I just can't stand him. So yeah, this this one didn't do anything for me other than the fact again, I think the art's really pretty. Um I think the the uh it still has the coloring issue that you mentioned before. I totally agree with you on that. A lot of it just looks really kind of muddy and ugly as far as the coloring goes. I don't know. I thought the this one the art looked better and maybe because it's darker. Yeah, Everything which was is so which is what out. I was calling for. I was calling for it to be a little darker and this one is uh now Again, your mileage may vary. That's that's really just a preference. But I feel like that preference goes to the story that we're getting. This is not a bright and happy story. This this well, is meant to be showing case. the and it's supposed to be meant to be showing the dark side of these characters. And I think that that you know part of the uh, the undertone or the subtext of it is is doing that with the doppelgangers. You know, showing where they're similar and where they're different, and just the darker side of these characters. Right. Uh, you know, and I might be giving them a little bit too much credit for subtext, but that's the way I'm. That's the way I'm interpreting it. Um, so I I kind of like the dark the darkness better in this issue. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna jump ahead a little bit and say, even though I like the darkness better, I don't think that makes me rate it higher. I still think I'm going to end up being a B plus on the artwork, which is where I was for the last issue, which is obviously a B plus is a very good grade. Oh yeah. Uh, but it's, you know, it's not, uh, it's not that, that just making the, the coloring a little darker isn't bringing me from a, from a B plus to an A though, to be fair. Right. Well, I mean the, the big saving grace to this issue, at least as far as I'm concerned, because it doesn't in, in this particular case, it does not move the FF narrative forward because they're to- so totally, you know, invested on what's going on with the event and all other than the fact that Reed gets rescued. But I mean, all that was part of the crossover anyway. 
Um, but the big thing with this is the reveal at the very end that uh, that Elijah lives and, and she's back. Because after this issue, starting with the very next issue, um, we're past the event and Elijah returns and we get into a truly awesome era uh, of the FF. That's that's really, really good stuff. So, you know, good stuff coming after this. It's just this particular issue. Yeah, don't do it for me. If it, if it wasn't for that final page, I'd be like, yeah, this one was a complete waste. But I like Elijah. I'm, I really thought she was a, a cool character and kind of a neat idea. And uh, I, I wish she'd stuck around. I wish they'd do more with her. I had done more with her. But for what so we you, got with her, it was it was good stuff. So you didn't have a problem with the fact that they basically got rid of the whole uh, John Byrne conceived marriage between Alicia and Johnny? Well, no, don't don't misunderstand me. I, I don't like it. I think it was a cheat. And I, I, you know, I think what Byrne did ultimately, I think for one thing, I think that took a lot of balls in that era to, to do that, to take a character that was, you know, uh, you know, uh, the thing's perennial girlfriend and just change that entire dynamic. And I think some really cool and interesting stories came out of that. And I liked them as a couple. I I like how all three of the, of the characters in that triangle really changed and, and, you know, interacted. And and in some cases, like with Johnny really matured. And so I liked that whole thing, but I mean, if they were going to do it, meaning, you know, getting rid of that relationship with, for whatever reason, I still don't understand why they felt the need. Like they had to get, you know, same thing with like Spider-Man, why, why they just can't have married characters for whatever reason, you know, if they were going to do, you know, if they were going to get rid of it, at least I thought the way they did it was clever and some really cool stories came out of it. So I'm kind of torn. It's like, I don't necessarily like it or dislike it. I, I just find the whole thing kind of like, well, if it had to happen, this was a pretty cool way to do it. And I really like Lija as a character. Um, you know, initially it looked like if you just read up to the point where she's initially revealed and then seemingly killed off, then it might not seem like that great of a, so it might seem like, well, that was really kind of shit, you know, that they, they, they did it that way. But I don't know if it was the long term plan or if it was the readership really like being like, hey, we want more of that character. Whatever it was, bringing her back was smart and some really good stuff comes out of that because there's an interesting dynamic there because it's like she comes back seemingly, you know, still on her mission as a, you know, as a scrawl soldier, essentially and intent on you know causing mayhem or or out, I think outright killing Johnny Storm but there's also that conflict because she was married to him and actually does really love him so there you know there's that whole conflict of you know do I carry out my mission or do I you know try to win my husband back type of thing and I I just found that a really fun and interesting dynamic and unfortunately it's you know, it, it didn't last long enough and to to my recollection didn't have an ultimately satisfying conclusion because they were intent on Johnny not being married and, and you know, dissolving the whole thing. So I think she just kind of goes away, if I remember right. I mean, I know she's still out there in the Marvel Universe. I don't think they use her very much. 
and they certainly never like reconciled and you know became a couple and all and i i kind of think that's a shame i think she had some real potential um if i remember right i think in the mc2 universe i think she was a member of the fantastic five if i remember i think they actually had like reconciled and became a couple and i i think they were together in that. I, I I think. Do you got either? Of you guys remember that? Well, there wasn't Fantastic Five, but I thought that was actually in the regular universe, but I don't remember for sure. I honestly don't remember, so I cannot. Hmm. I don't. I don't know. It's been a long time since I've read that, so I'm I'm not entirely sure myself on that one. But I I seem to remember her being a member of of that. Because that was, if memory serves, that was the book that was set within the same continuity as like spider girl and uh avengers uh, next and all that stuff you know where it was like the future of the marvel universe from that 90s time frame mm. but then you know things quickly changed you know to where you know it had to become its own separate universe essentially because after a point the, the marvel universe proper n- didn't match up with it anymore so you knew it wasn't going to be the actual future of the regular marvel universe it just became like an alternate future essentially but i think she was part of that because i remember there being like there was like reed richards was just like a brain and the thing was like half cyborg or something wasn't that John- in what if it might have started in What If, because I know Spider Girl well, started Spider in Well, Spider Girl was, yeah. Yeah. I, I seem to remember there being an issue of What If, where it was, some, you know, it was something like, what if they all got different powers or something along those lines? Mm. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. But anyway, long story short, I like this character, so I, you know, I, I thought it was cool to see her. Okay, they're gonna they're bringing her back and they're gonna use her, which which they did to pretty good effect, at least for a time. So, but as far as the issue overall, you know, minus that uh, you know that uh, cliffhanger ending, eh, I didn't think too much of it. Pretty pictures, I thought, but I thought it was okay. It. I didn't, you know, I didn't. It didn't bother me to read it. It's not like I thought, oh, this is a slog or whatever. <clears throat> but it didn't it didn't flow the way the previous issue did. <clears throat> no. Excuse me. The previous issue felt uh it felt like it was a co- you know as we've kind of said already like a cohesive story unto itself. Uh whereas this one felt more like a crossover issue that that you needed to read more in order to get the whole story. That said, yeah. I I still only have kind of a peripheral memory of what exactly went on in the infinity war and it still didn't you know i still didn't feel totally lost reading this uh so you know i think it was okay i think it was not quite as good as the previous one that's really what it comes down to well i i will give it a a, a half a bonus point for one thing that i caught that i i did think was kind of cool so because this is you know a crossover issue taking place in the ff we're seeing the events of this crossover from their perspective. And I kind of like that once they pop back up on earth, they don't really know what happened to a point that they don't even know who won. And Mm. I, I thought that was kind of cool. I thought that was like, okay, that makes sense. That's one of those things that, you know, normally you, you might not necessarily catch, 
that, you know, the, the heroes, you know, all team up, they have this big adventure, something happens, but when it's all over, they might not all be aware of the events that transpired type of thing. And that's exactly the case here. They, they're a part of it, but because it's taking place above them on this massive cosmic scale, then they're, they're not privy to, to all the story beats. So ultimately they just kind of pop back up and they're like, well, what the hell was that all about? And I, I thought that was kind of neat. I, I kind of enjoyed that. Um, but on the flip side, I mean, you definitely needed to be up to speed on what was going on with the event proper, because the biggest mystery to me is why the hell does uh, Galactus save them? And that's not maybe it's made clear in the event itself, but that's not made clear here. He just kind of was like, here, everybody board my ship and uh, yeah, we're going to take and I'm like. Why is Galactus slumming with the humans? I didn't catch that because normally they're like they're so far beneath him on the evolutionary scale or whatever that he just doesn't even interact with them. So it's you know it's not like him to be altruistic and and you know he he's not a member of the team. You know what I mean? So I I, I missed something here. I don't know why he did what he did. I, I'm assuming that's answered in the in the crossover itself but eh it was a minor thing but it was just something i couldn't help but wonder about like why why would he do that exactly yeah no it's a good question i'm not really sure honestly don't remember i did like <laughs> the uh adam warlock on a cthulhu cross <laughs> yes i i I specifically noted that as well, that it was Cthulhu-looking. Cthulhu-like. So, it was, you know, from a Thing Hulk perspective, it had nothing going for it. Uh, but, you know, as as just a story in a an ongoing storyline, I didn't think it was terrible. For what it's worth. Well, you're wrong. No, I mean, I, <laughs> I was about to say, it sucked. No. <laughs> hmm. I say, it, it sucks. Hmm. No, sir. Didn't like it. Didn't like it. Nope. So, you want to rate it? Uh, sure. Um, the cover is the a weird one because it's meant to be weird. It's meant to look very weird and twisty and awkward and everything. So, it's not aesthetically pleasing but it's not really meant to be so that makes it really hard to to grade um but i do respect you know what the artist is doing here because that's got to be tough to do this and again i can't help but feel like he might be doing a, a burn riff because i know burn did this several times um in different uh stories that he has done and i think I think I, I always like to believe that that Byrne was able to do this sort of thing because he kind of cut his teeth early on on a lot of cartoon stuff, you know, like uh, Wheelie and the Chopper Bunch and uh, the Flintstones and stuff like that. So I, I think it gave him a good handle on cartoony, if you know what I mean. Um, mm. And that's kind of how I see these when they do these weird twisty things is it looks very bendy cartoony type thing to me. So it, it's kind of cool in that aspect. So I'm going to try to be fair. I'm going to give it a B. I don't really like it, but 
from an artistic standpoint, it is cool and it has to be tough to do this sort of thing and make it come off looking cool and dynamic and, and something you want to pick up off the stands while at the same time purposely being all weird and stretchy and all, you know, reality warping and all that. So that, that's a pretty tough trick to do. Um, interior art. Um, I just, I'm not crazy about the colors. Um, but I mean, there's nothing wrong with the art itself. And I agree with you. I, I do kind of like the, the, the darker palette that's used on a lot of the stuff. It's just, I, between the colors. And again, I think this was at this, that period just before they got the new color and printing, uh, process. So a lot of times the colors were looking kind of weird and like oversaturated and stuff on this type of paper. So I think that had something to do with it. So, Oh, you mean when they bought Malibu comics? Yeah. I think this is just prior to that, if I'm not mistaken. So, you know, they're, they're trying to step up their game and all that, but it's, it's like the paper or something or the printing process or something is not quite there yet to support what they're trying to do. If you know what I mean? Um, but that said, I mean, like I said before, I, I'm a mark for both of these artists, and I, I really do enjoy it. I, I think it's really solid artwork, although, you know, uh, I'm not really being crazy about the colors. Um, but that said, I, I'm going to go a straight up, uh, I'll go a straight up A again. I think it's just as good as, as the prior issue. Um, where it takes a big old hit is on the story. And I hate to dump that on DeFalco because he's doing the best he can with having to tie in to an event. And in this case, an event I really don't like. So that makes it tough to be fair. But, you know, he did such a masterful job in 368 of juggling both the crossover and the regular book that he's doing and, and making them both feel like they, they meshed well and it moved the story forward. Whereas this one is completely subservient to the crossover and does nothing uh, for the FF other than the uh, cliffhanger ending reveal with Lijus. So I got, I got to give it a, a, a small ding for that. So I'm going to, I'm going to knock it down to uh, I'm going to say a, a B minus in that regard. Um, but again, I don't, I don't know if I'm being fair or unfair with that, but it's just, at the end of the day, it's a crossover. I don't dig, so I don't know how great a job he could have done anyway. So overall, yeah, I just didn't dig this issue as much as uh, as the prior one, unfortunately. Um, I, I kind of found it to be the opposite of what I, I got out of the prior one. But uh, overall grade, uh, I'm going to say B minus, and I think I'm being really generous with that. So. What do you guys think? Do you want to go, Bill, or do you want me? I'll go. No, sir. Don't take it. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> the, yeah, I did, mm. <sighs> <laughs> the covers. Uh, yes, yeah, it's, it's really strange. Yes. Yeah. Yes, yes, Smithers. Good. Yes. Good. <laughs> Strike him down now. (laughs) Let your comics flow. Uh, uh, What is that? What is the end of infinity? Oh, that's what the words that are like printed behind or over. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I didn't even catch that. Yeah. That's what makes it look really weird. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's like the end of Infinity is printed over and over and over all across the. You know, the, if they the if they hadn't done that, I think it actually would look a lot better because it just looks yeah. like like there's a like there's a glitch in the printing process or something is what it looks like, doesn't it? So yeah, it's yeah, and you know what? I never really read it until just now that it was actually words. It just kind of like yeah, blurred. Yeah, you're um, right. I never even took notice of that. B on the cover. I like this art a little bit better than last time. I would almost have to put it maybe up to a B plus, A minus for the art compared to what? last issue. And the story, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I'm I'm gonna give it a I'm gonna give it a C plus. So I'm averaging out to a B. Cool. All right. I actually like the cover. I think it's got a pretty cool, you know, like a vertigo feeling. Not vertigo, the imprint line, but like vertigo, like you're you're dizzy and you're confused and all of that. It serves a purpose of what it's trying to do, I believe. Uh, So I'm going to say I'm going back to a solid B plus on the cover. I think it's it's pretty sharp. the interior art, as I've already said during this episode, uh, I think it does. I think the darker palette does improve it from the last issue, but not enough to bump it up a grade. So I'm going to stay with B plus on that as well. Uh, and like Scott and Bill, uh, my bigger problem is the story. Uh, I don't think it's a bad story, but I do think it it requires you to read other things and it did not feel self-contained the way the prior one did. And that's the biggest problem I have with it. It's not a dislike of this particular crossover or even I'm, I'm, I'm doing my best to not rate it on the money grab aspect of it. Uh, I just feel like it could have done a better job of being self-contained and, and not tried so hard to, to, throw things in there like the two Thanos is battling each other, uh, which is going to be con- contained fully within another crossover. Uh, so I, I don't know that we needed to have things of that nature, although I'm going to reverse that a little bit and say it is pretty cool to have that scene in the main story, to have it in this crossover and have it in another crossover as well. So I think that's just, you know, overall cool, but I want an issue that I can read and, feel comfortable that I'm getting everything, you know, that I need to know in that issue. So I think DeFalco could have maybe done just a better job explaining what we were seeing perhaps and and made you feel less dependent on having to pick up other issues. Although that I'm sure that goes against the mandate of the company, which wants you to have to pick up other issues. So, you, you know, you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. Anyway, uh, the previous issue I gave a B plus on the story. This one I'm going to drop down to a B minus because I just don't feel it it stands alone as well as it should. Uh, so overall, where I gave the prior issue a B plus, I'm giving this issue just a B. Now our two next Thanos here, one Thanos. <laughs> our next issue. Our next thing, Hulk, I think is an issue of the Hulk's annual. And I'm not sure how much thing battle there is in that either. Uh, So we're going to see. But uh, we'll try and take a look at that at some point. 
Real in quick, the I, I looked it up here, and you were right. The Fantastic Five that I was thinking of, they did first appear in What If uh, Volume 2, number 105. That's the first appearance of Spider-Girl. So they mm-hmm. they are, were also uh, in that story, so that's also their first appearance. So they were a an alternate Marvel Universe, uh, alternate future version of the FF, that had uh, Johnny, uh, the thing, uh, his wife, Elijah was his wife by that point. So Elijah, she's, she goes by the name Ms. Fantastic. Franklin was the other member I couldn't remember. Franklin was the Psy Lord. And then um, they listed Jacob Grimm. But I thought that, uh, I thought that, Mr. Fan, you know, uh, Reed, I thought he was like a brain in a jar or something like he was called like the brain or big brain or something. But maybe I'm confusing my alternate future FFs or something. I don't know. But I, <laughs> I thought I thought he was one of the four, um, you know, the four members. And then there was a fifth I could not remember. But it was Franklin, who I think was the leader, I think. But I don't know. I I have all this, and I'm not sure if I've ever read all of it. I think I've read bits and pieces. But uh, now one of these days, I want to sit down and do a complete um, MC2 read through, you know, of the whole the whole universe. Because now that I, I think it's ended, if I'm not mistaken, when when uh, when Spider Girl ended, I think that was considered to be basically the end of that particular universe. But uh, it, it always looked really interesting, and I've heard good things about it. And you know, Spider Girl ran for a good long while. But anyway, always, always under the threat of being canceled. Yeah, yeah. But you, you let me know how that works out, because I'm not doing that read through. <laughs> <laughs> I always thought it sounded. It, it looked like it could be fun. Isn't that the the continuity with with the Juggernaut had like a son that they called yes. Juggy? J two, I think, was the name of that book. Yeah, and, and, and he, he, he had like a, a a jacket that he would wrap around his waist like a kid. I, I just thought that was like the stupidest look ever. <laughs> J two Electric Boogaloo. Well, they they had you know a lot of the characters were like the the sons or daughters of you know, of the existing characters. You know, the current day characters. So they had like Wild Thing was. Um, Wolverine's daughter. I don't know who the mother was supposed to be. But Wait, wasn't Mister Fantastic call him Juggy? Oh, I, I don't. I don't know. Oh. I, I have some issues of that. I'm still collecting it. I've never read a single one of them, so I don't. I don't know. I've I've just always felt that that was, and I'm maybe wrong, but I always felt that that was intended for a much younger audience than me. Could be. Could well, was it Reed's brain inside the Herbie style robot? See, that's what I'm saying. That's what I thought was that that I thought he was still the leader, even though he was just like a brain in a jar type of thing. But I'm not seeing him list uh, listed here on the wiki page unless the wiki's wrong. I don't know. Well, yeah, but right there on the like cover, us. there's a brain in inside the Herbie robot. I yeah, I think you're right. That's kind of like us. Oh, here it goes. It says in the Scott's first all leader, even though he's like a brain in, in a Scott body. <laughs> This is in the first series, it was revealed that the big brain is a drone controlled from the negative zone where Sue Storm is held in a kind of stasis. Her powers are holding back a breach in reality and Rita's at a blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, they're, yeah. 
So there was that character. I just don't know why he's not listed in the list of the roster because the roster lists everybody that I thought was on the team except the big brain guy. It has somebody completely different. It says Jacob Grimm, who was the son of Ben Grimm and Sharon Ventura. I don't remember even ever seeing him, and I have this whole series, so I don't know. But like I said, I've not read it either, so I don't know. But one of these days, if uh, if I live long enough, I'll get one around. One of these doing days. A... <laughs> I would like to do a MC2. Uh... This is one of those projects where I, I pick issues up on the extreme cheap as I find them with the intention of if I can ever collect everything, I'll sit down and read it all and um, – it really just started as a as a Spider Girl, uh, you know, wanting to have all a Spider Girl, and then just I decided, well, what the hell, I'll branch out and get everything else too, because she crossed it over into a lot of this other stuff, you know, with like the the miniseries, like last what was it, Last Planet Standing or something like that. So I figured, well, what the hell, I'll just get all of it. Um, the only thing I think I lack at this point, as far as she's concerned, is that very first "what if." That thing still goes for stupid money. I can't, I can't seem to ever get a handle on that one, and I'm not going to pay ridiculous money for it. Not for an effectively dead character, anyway. So we've we've, we've kind of gone full circle on the conversation we started. The <laughs> there you go. You're welcome. <laughs> and on that note, goodbye, everybody. <laughs> Oh, goodbye. Goodbye. Thank you so much for listening to our show, and we hope you'll continue to join us each and every week for more good old-fashioned comic book back-issue awesomeness. You can contact Back to the Bins to leave feedback, comments, questions, suggestions, and criticisms via email at bins at twotruefreaks.com or by joining the Back to the Bins group on Facebook. Back to the Bins is a proud affiliate of the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network, which you may find at www.twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is a registered trademark of DiManzo Corps of Milan, Italy. All rights reserved. Please take a moment to stop by the twotruefreaks.com site and check out their many other fine podcasts, won't you? Thanks, and we'll see you next week. I like that. That was fun. Even though my book was shit.